Wellbeing Creative Podcast is fueled by my good friends at Great Lakes Coffee Roasting Company. Great Lakes Coffee believes that coffee is no longer a commodity. It defines a community. It tells their story, local, global, and everywhere in between. Sourcing direct from farmers, roasting here in Detroit, and always handcrafted, this is coffee as it's meant to be. So whether you're sipping from your favorite mug at home or savoring that last drop at one of the three shops or countless coffee bars, know that you're part of their story. Because at the Great Lakes Coffee Roasting Company, it's not just about what you're drinking, it's about the journey to your cup and where we'll go from there. Wellbeing creative listeners can get their caffeine fixed by using code WELLBEING for 10% off your first order at greatlakescoffee.com. Again, that's code WELLBEING for 10% off your first order at greatlakescoffee.com. The reason I'm not treating myself physically in the same way is because, kind of like I said, like, oh, well, I'm a trainer. Like, I should be this this way and be able to do these things. So, like, I'm behaving out of this. It's more fear as opposed to, like, mm-hmm. listen, like, you're also a human being who does physical things for a living. So wear and tear is going to happen. And it's completely fine for you to take the time to heal. You're listening to Wellbeing Creative, a podcast that breaks down the stigmas and creates a conversation surrounding well-being in the creative field. My name is Harrison Diskin, and I'll be sitting down with creators of all types to discuss how they manage the inevitable stress, anxiety, and health choices that come along with creating in today's wild world. Hey, it's Harrison. Welcome back to Wellbeing Creative. My guest today is my good friend Ali Beardsaw. Ali is a certified strength and conditioning specialist, strong first body weight trainer, personal trainer, and a 200-hour registered yoga teacher, and also the owner of his own personal training and wellness company. Essentially, Ali is a one-stop shop for all things health, a real-life Chris Traeger. Ali has helped me tremendously along my own personal health journey, so I'm elated to be able to sit down with him to discuss some of the things I know listeners will enjoy hearing and also benefit from. So with great excitement, welcome Ali to Wellbeing Creative. How are you doing? Great. Wow, what an introduction. I love the Chris Traeger reference. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I often think of you. I think it might be because of your and your wife's obsession with Parks and Rec, but also just because you're pretty much the real Chris Traeger. Um, so anyway, tell us a little bit about what led you to your health journey. Um, obviously, you know, as a personal trainer, you're, you're very much into the fitness world. Um, was exercise and diet always a big part of your life? Yes, um, it always has been. And I'll try not to be too long-winded about the story. You can be. Maybe I can be. Um, but yeah, it's been something that's always been a part of my life, even though, you know, kind of getting into college, and thinking about getting a um, real job. It, it, it wasn't super on my radar for a while, but um, as young as I can remember, I did gymnastics. And I think, I don't want to put words into my mom's mouth, but I think she maybe put me into it because I showed maybe some kind of interest in moving. I think I was a really active kid that just enjoyed moving around. So yeah, before I can remember, I was doing gymnastics, which led to me doing that until I was like in my teens. How old did you start, like like in, as a baby? Yeah, I went to this thing called tumble tots, mm-hmm. which I think is just where there's parents with kids and you like roll around and it, it was in a gymnastics place. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just like kind of, you know, doing roly polies and... Did you show signs of being like super active, like a, a super baby? 
I don't know if you could say like a super baby, but I mean, I think I showed enough um, maybe control and kind of uh, lack of maybe fear to, to kind of move in certain ways that they thought it would be something I would enjoy kind of taking seriously, mm-hmm. which which led to me doing it seriously. And you know, I was kind of going like three days a week, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing like the competitions and stuff like that. Um, and at the same time, in my kind of early days, I was swimming. My granddad taught me to swim very, very young. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something I was actually reflecting on uh, the other day is, I, again, I sh- it was something I kind of showed an aptitude for at a young age and was, again, kind of encouraged into the training. And um, again, that was something I kind of gave up a little later when I didn't necessarily want to pursue it as like a six days a week kind of endeavor. Was it, all, was it at a time it was six days a week? No, maybe like three or four. Mm-hmm. And then the next step was like, all right, we want you to come in every day before school and it becomes mm-hmm. like swimming is your thing. And I just never, it was the same with gymnastics. I never felt like I wanted to necessarily like dedicate myself to just the one thing. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I was playing soccer, football, sorry for my English people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was playing soccer in school. Um, so I was playing football for our football team. Um you know, skateboarding, like really anything that was active, I was into, mm-hmm. um, and very so, much yeah, always like w- enjoyed. When you were, um, when you were swimming, was it for, uh, like swimming laps or were you swimming for fun? Like, well, it starts off as like your lessons and you learn to swim and then you start doing your badges, like your hundred meter, 200, 400. And it got to this point where I'd done all the badges and you like, I think the last one is like swim a mile and you do like, a um, what's it called it's like you have to make like a float out of pajamas just in case you're ever on a cruise ship and it crashes mm. like a survival thing yeah 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 so uh, so i did all these badges and then the next step was um like i say it was more like endurance swimming i remember being bumped up to this group where everyone was maybe like four kind of four years older than me mm-hmm. um i i remember them being like years above me at school and thinking wow i'm kind of out of my depth and i think that was the first time that i actually felt kind of challenged and it was interesting psychologically that that was kind of around the point where i stopped i think cool well i mean i'm just trying to build a little picture for our listeners of your of like where you grew up and stuff too because you're not from america you grew up where no i grew up in manchester Manchester. so this is in this in a small town called sale Mm -hmm. and your parents are they like pushing you to be part of all this the sports and athleticism not at all no i actually never felt um pressured into doing any of it and in mm-hmm. fact, I remember very much so with the gymnastics, um, I think I had like performance anxiety, mm-hmm. which is interesting because I was like a little nervous coming in here today. It still shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's normal. I mean, if you're not nervous before you record a podcast, then, you know, you've yeah. got super nerves. Super nerves. But I wouldn't like let her come and watch me. Um, and she just kind of let me do my own thing, you know. I think they, they let me do that with most stuff. Um so I think that was like probably a blessing that I was able to like be like, oh, you know, I'd want to try. So you were more self-motivated even as a kid? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so that took me through high school, I guess, in terms of my physical kind of um, practices. I was obsessed with the Olympics growing up and um, England or Britain had a very famous rowing team. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing it on TV and thinking like, this is something I want to do, but I hadn't had um, an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I went to college 
and in those opening weeks they have like kind of um kind of places where you can go and there's different clubs and you can go and talk to people and test things out and i ended up speaking to the rowing club mm-hmm. and i didn't have much experience in rowing but i'd also been cycling a lot my cousin was a really good like road cyclist and through him i got into um like road cycling while i was in high school and they kind of cross over like endurance training and um went and tried it out loved it uh really enjoyed the team atmosphere and it was super challenging mm-hmm. so then through college i started rowing and that was a, like a, a real awakening to what it's like for like what kind of distances did you do um so i mean the training is is different so in the winter you do like these things called head races where mm-hmm. you're on a river mm-hmm. and i think it's like a kind of seven kilometer kind of thing it's like a longer race and people set off like one in front of the other and you kind of chase each other and it's, it's a time trial essentially so then at the end all the times are compared right in the summer so those races are long they can last like 15 20 minutes in the summer it's sprints and that's when you it's like the classic you kind of see um boats side by side and that's a 2000 meter sprint mm-hmm. and i rode in an eight so there's eight guys in a boat um there's a little person that sits in the front the cocks who kind of calls the pace and tells you if you're in front if you're Do behind have to be little it helps yeah yeah because the less they weigh yeah you know, they don't weigh the boat down and the space is super small for them to sit in interesting um so that was like kind of some of the foreground for what i do now i was really lucky that some of the guys in the team i mean there were different boats but these guys were sit like serious athletes mm-hmm. um i remember a couple of guys in particular this guy called josh and pete i think they set this record i remember them doing it. i don't know if they actually set it i believe they did it was like a record for a 24-hour distance row mm-hmm. on a rowing machine they did it outside the student union like back to back for 24 hours well one would sleep or kind of try and sleep for half an hour while the other one on, did it on the row on yeah on the erg, yeah so um i remember being super inspired by that and we had a strength and conditioning coach who like before that i was really into the gym during high school as well which was more of um i think for self-confidence mm-hmm. in in how i looked the gym like lifting weights yeah just like mm-hmm. you kind of classic like i'm gonna do bench i'm gonna do curls mm-hmm. and um bulking up yeah not necessarily for, for performance no that, that when you this is in high school yeah that was in high school yeah did you know that you wanted to make this like a career no mm-hmm. no um so I, i'll come back to that in a second because it, it does it's interesting how it all kind of mm-hmm. you but can it, look at back at the time this was just for fun it was a hobby yeah, yeah i think it was like for me it was very much an outlet emotionally as well um stress mm-hmm um i don't know if i knew at the time but probably like insecurities about my own self image and self-worth mm-hmm. and it, it definitely gave me that yeah um i think i grew a lot of confidence from like a lot of the time that i spent in the gym and you kind of see like all right i'm putting in this hard work and i'm seeing you know results so that was that was kind of how i started and then the strength and conditioning coach that we had in college mm-hmm. was teaching me about you know, we're going to do deadlifts, we're going to do squats, good mornings, uh, bent over rows. And this this is a program that we're going to do for 12 weeks to build up to a race. And, you know, why we're doing certain rep ranges at a certain time and we're going to do like a strength phase and a power mm-hmm. phase. And it was all kind of new language to me and it made sense. And um, 
even though I didn't maybe know I could follow it at the time, it was like, oh, wow, someone's doing this as a job. And I thought, like, it's cool. He's getting paid by our rowing team mm-hmm. to train people to get stronger. So that might have just been a seed, I think, at the time. I think it was a seed right. that um, maybe later on gave me the possibility this is something like, I could do. Yeah. But I didn't follow it. Fear, maybe. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that. Yeah. Um, and then, again, I, got, I, I was really into cycling throughout. It kind of went alongside the rowing training. Mm-hmm. Um when I stopped rowing in college, I continued to cycle. I was doing some road racing. I did some time trials. I did some trips by myself where I cycled from Manchester to Wales, which is like a hundred plus miles. Wow. Um, and then rode in the mountains and then came back. Wow. So, so yeah, like it's, it's been an outlet for sure. And it's been something I've always been super passionate about. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think it, it was in the early days that, that got you uh, motivated to, you know, to be uh you know fit i think there was something i always liked about like it was an, it was definitely self-expression there was something that really intrigued me about the possibilities of what i could do mm-hmm. gymnastics was great for that because you know as a young kid you see people in the gym who are doing stuff that looks it, it just looks cool and it's the same now like when you look on instagram and you see people doing all these crazy like yoga moves and mm-hmm. But really, though, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, most kids would probably be more consumed with, like, the levels they're getting in their video games or, yeah. um, you know, like that kind of stuff. Video games gave me anxiety. <laughs> um, mm. I felt like I was wasting my time being mm. inside. Um, I think... Yeah, so that's, like, that primal nature that I'm trying to figure out where that comes from. Like, you know, if if, if people could, like, channel that through something that you are already have, you know, naturally what would be your tip what would be my tip i just think for me now i I see it as much and maybe i it was what i felt at the time and couldn't put a word to and it's maybe why i felt anxious like playing video games and being inside it's just like wow i've got this possibility of like this kind of and i also am super grateful because it's some of it's a gift like for sure it is like not everyone has the same physical abilities at a young age Mm -hmm. and it's just something i kind of recognized that i had to some level um i definitely was like by no means like this like savant like physical being um i definitely was one of those kids that had something but had to work for it too Mm -hmm. but i was always like really interested in seeing what i could do and and maybe i was just in the right place at the right time that i saw some of like that if i do some work i can see like a really cool payoff at mm-hmm. a young age and, and that maybe stuck with me yeah that's great um we'll probably touch more on that too but so i want to keep going when after college did you come to america and what what led to did you did you get into personal training before that okay this is where one day maybe when i'm rich and famous we'll make a movie about it but like uh-huh. this is this is like this this became a very spiritual part i still think of it as like the like what I see is like there's a greater being that helped me be where I am today. Yeah. As I was driving in, I was listening to this like Ram Das meditation, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Shit, I've come from this like town in ta- in Sale in Manchester, and now I'm driving through Detroit to talk to one of my like best friends about this job that I created that is crazy." Mm-hmm. Um, so I came to America very much by chance when I was in college. I think it was my second year. I stumbled upon um, a job fair. I found out there's a job fair the next day by listening to the radio mm-hmm. by chance. Um, 
the company called Camp America who hires international staff to come and work at camps all over. Um, and it sounded cool. I was like, all right, I get paid to maybe go and work in America. Mm-hmm. It's something I can do for the summer because I didn't have a job at like lined up. So it's like it kind of takes care of a few things. I, I, Were there prospects of staying active at this camp? Um, I knew that there was jobs like so a lot of people come over here and I kind of thought I would come and do like a soccer camp that's mm-hmm. kind of like what I'd seen I'd, I'd heard of that and I was right. like I could do that you know in America like for sure but when I showed up at the job fair there was very few and it was very competitive to be mm-hmm. a soccer coach because every Amer- every English guy wants to be the English guy teaching soccer at an American camp or apparently it turns out anyway of course so um I talked to a bunch of different camps and stumbled across this one and she had one job left on this board that were all crossed off and it was um, a tripper. So kind of went over and just by chance, like, what, what is a tripper? Um, and it was taking kids on canoeing, hiking um, trips away from camp. And I, so aside from the sports kind of stuff, I was really into the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, I also did this thing. It's kind of like, it's called Air Cadets. It's just like a kid's version of the Air Force. And you... Like space camp? Maybe not. Like, it's, I, I did it twice a week. We dressed oh, cool. up like in like Air Force military, like kids gear. And it was like all official. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people who do that go on to being in the Air Force. Like the prince probably did it when he was a kid. Maybe, yeah. They had like an army version too. Mm-hmm. Um, but we marched like during the week. We had like a base that was in our town and we would like march and we would... <laughs> learn to shine our shoes and iron our pants and um we got to go like shooting we got to do like gliding uh we went flying um we did like survival stuff camping like a lot of stuff like that and i'd also done these other activities where you go on expeditions in school and you kind of have to plan your expedition and it looks really good on like your resume it's kind of why we were told to do it but it mm-hmm. was a lot of fun i really enjoyed the outdoors my granddad was like very much into that too and my, my dad took us camping um, so I was like, cool, I've done all this stuff. I can take kids on, on trips. I can cook in the wild. And um, she was like, cool, you got the job. And she's like, oh, it's in Michigan. I was like, cool, don't know where Michigan is, but I'm down. She was like, oh, and it's like a Jewish camp. And I was like, cool, I don't know, don't know a single Jewish person. I'm down and um, came here for a first year. And What year is that? 2008. So it's 2008. You're working at a Jewish summer camp in Michigan. Yeah. And then it changed my life. It blew my mind. Um, so I had an amazing time the first year taking these trips out. And I knew the next year I came back, I didn't want to take the trips because it, it took me away from being on like this camp mm-hmm. where I saw everyone else having this amazing time together. And I was like, every week I was away. I'd come back for a couple of days and then I was away. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was also a girl who now is Taylor, my wife, mm-hmm. um, who I remember at the very start I met her and I was like, wow, I want to get to know this girl. And then I couldn't because I was away. So I was like, all right, I need to be around to, to make this happen. And then I ended up coming back for four summers. Like, so every time I would go back to school, mm-hmm. I'd come back here, I would work for the summer. Um, for three years, I was teaching water skiing and driving jet skis, taking kids tubing, which is fun. Unbelievable fun. Why wouldn't you want to come back and do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. And you um, have this prospect of Taylor too. Yeah. Um, so I came back for, for, I'd done three years and then I wasn't planning on coming back for a fourth. I was actually, um, at, by that time I was in like a postgraduate 
uh, program for education. And my plan was, let's try and get a job that pays like 40,000 a year, 30, even 30, maybe I don't think you start on that. Mm-hmm. But it's a comfortable, you know, it's it's a safe option. Teaching can be fun and, you know, you're going to get to work with kids. You get the summers off, I think was like probably the main thing. But my heart wasn't really in it. And while I was doing that degree, because my heart wasn't in it and I knew, like I was super depressed and didn't, I had absolutely no love for waking up and going into work. Mm-hmm. So for months of that kind of came to a head and I was decided like this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. And there was, I think, two or three months left until I would have finished the course and graduated. I just had to finish a little more time in school and I um, decided to drop out. Um, Didn't know what I was gonna do. Personal training was on my mind. Um, I had had a personal trainer personally and thought it was cool that that's what he did and I really liked him. So I was like, you know what, I'll stay here. I'll do a personal training certification and see if I can make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, all at the same time camp was approaching again and I was kind of lost mm-hmm. and this was like one of the few things in my life that I knew was like really benefit, like beneficial for me um, and my health, my mental health for sure so I decided to come back um, luckily I was able to get a job and came back for the fourth year which is when things kind of got really serious with um, me and Tay mm-hmm which then kind of led to us eventually getting married a few years later. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. And so your wife, Taylor, she's like a teacher and practitioner in many of the same fields as you. Um, mm-hmm. How might those intersections play into your relationship in like both positive and maybe more challenging ways? Um, I mean, I'll touch on the positive. I don't think there's too many challenges other than maybe like logistical Mm -hmm. um mainly because like what i do takes a lot of time in the morning and then in the evening i have that that middle space of the day when most people are at work Mm -hmm. that i take is downtime so sometimes you know maybe i really enjoy going to classes with her Mm -hmm. and that's something i i would love to do more of but you know i'm either working or she's teaching at that time Sometimes it's hard in in that sense um, of those, I guess, like you call them, maybe like the social hours that, that we don't get to spend together, but we do get to spend a lot of time together, like during the days. And, um, you know, there is some flexibility with the both of the jobs that we do that we can take time off. Um, but I would say it's only positive. Like she and she inspires me a bunch. Like mm-hmm. we did we did our yoga, te- like our yoga teach training together, which is again that was like another kind of life-changing experience mm-hmm. of being able to share that with her and it was a very specific time in my kind of early i mean I'm, i've been doing this for seven years so i guess it's still early as a, as a professional mm-hmm. um but it was like a kind of pivotal point of my career and it, it showed me that there were other options than just like maybe what i had in mind as a personal trainer um so she inspires me because she I'd only ever done Bikram yoga before I met her. Mm-hmm. And it was something I fell into. I, I kind of found I needed something in that. And Bikram was the only option. Um, and Michigan yoga is also very different to anything elsewhere, especially at that time in Manchester. It was nothing like the kind of Michigan 
flow on your own. Mm-hmm, that, that, that unguided vinyasa. Yeah, there's music and the, mm-hmm. the teachers weave in these messages. You know, I was in a light on, there's like some no dude. philosophy. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, they, they don't know if they do much philosophy in Bikram at all. Right. Um, you know, you just got some guys like naked butt almost in front of you as you fall because there's so many people in a room, lights on, mirrors everywhere. Um, but it, it, it served a purpose at the time. But um, so I really looked to her for guidance mm-hmm. um, and inspiration on like my own yoga practice. Uh, so it, it's only been positive. And I still, she has a book full of her flows that she writes and I mm-hmm. steal them all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we, you know, we vibe off each other because there's some things that I learn for like my strength and conditioning work and maybe like more like rehab stuff that I talk to her about to introduce into her yoga classes. Mm-hmm. She she does um she does like a lot of therapeutic yoga as well with her like kind of like art therapist background. She also works with with yoga at the same time. So we 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 bounce a lot of ideas off each other. It's it's pretty special. Yeah. I'm so we'll go back to you know where you're at on your story here you're at year one of personal training but mm-hmm. we were talking about you know um how diverse amount of of uh outlets you have for for you know getting your uh getting active you know between lifting weights yoga cycling rowing mm-hmm. gymnastics um how how do all these work together in your in your mind um Tay and I were having this conversation the other day. I can't remember the name of the book, but it's it's basically, I'd never thought about it in this way. And I, I've been journaling a lot. Um, and I had this thought about me as a young, like gymnast and-, and Actually, sw- let's, let's, let's keep, keep a, another segue going. If, if all, obviously like all those are, are exercises, but you brought up journaling mm-hmm. and I know you meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, so how do you like journaling and meditation and even like eating right and putting good things in your body? Um, how, how do those work in hand with exercising more so than like the diverse activities that you do? I think it's as important and it's, it's something at the moment that I am finding as important, if not more important than the physical Mm-hmm. Or and, it, and it enhances the physical too it, yeah. it, it's changed my approach so like I say back in in school when I was just lifting weights just to kind of like think about getting big and and it was it was very much like um less conscious mm-hmm. I'm able to be a little more um intuitive about what I need based on when I sit down and write I can sense maybe my energy more. Like if I need something that's more restorative or if I'm sitting down and and I think the journaling is meditation at the same time. It's like contemplating. Mm-hmm. And if I'm in a space where I feel like I got a bunch of energy and I'm feeling good, then maybe I need something that's more of a, you know, physically engaging, like the yang kind of energy, I guess you could kind of say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think it makes me more aware of what I need at a given time. Whereas previously, I probably would have just been, it's always balls to the wall. Kind of just gain, things and seeing yeah, sticks. Gains, gains, gains. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and like for me, uh, journaling works in hand just because for the simple fact, you can kind of go back and see progress. Mm-hmm. Like, like you can actually record your progress and, and go back and it's a very useful thing. And like meditation, for example, I just often feel like, you know, in the gym, you're in like a fight or flight mode you know yeah and it's like so stressful so like 
if you can get yourself into like a really mindful state before you get in the gym or even after you get in the gym i think like that that like science will will do its work on your body and and give yourself some like you know uh some cushion a hundred percent yeah i mean um I say, if you're aware, if like, let's say I'm sat down in the morning and I'm writing and something comes up about like maybe that I feel I need to exercise today out of this kind of feeling that I'm, here's a feeling that I have had a lot and it's something I deal with um, of this kind of feeling that I'm, what I'm doing isn't enough or I'm not like enough. I think that's where a lot of my exercise in early days came from. Yeah. Like Uh, trying to fill a void. Yeah. That like I could never achieve enough or like if Mm. I wasn't the best at something, like I was a failure and that almost like there's a calculator to try and add up mm -hmm. like an equation that you could actually get right. Right. There Uh, is none. No, a hundred (laughs) percent. And it only leaves you feeling like there's more to do and kind of, it's it's very unfulfilling and i've i got to that point with exercise for a while where it's like this really isn't doing it for me anymore so what's the point of like killing myself in the gym every day mm-hmm. when i don't feel any better like, and that's probably where the diversity of exercises come in too because mm-hmm. if you get bored of lifting weights or it doesn't do it for you anymore then you can get on your bike and go cycling and if that doesn't do it for you then you can hop in the pool and swim some laps and the more tools you have in your tool belt it seems to be advantageous definitely um i i kind of think about it as like a language i don't think i'm the first person to to have used that like analogy but like movement is 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 a language and exercise and strength training lifting weights is one part of this language it's like learning words i guess so i'm learning these certain words and then yoga is another set of words and that's another conversation you can have yeah so yeah, so if, if if you kind of view movement and all our possibilities as, as language, then, like I said, the strength training is kind of maybe a conversation to be had in a certain set of words. And then yoga is another set of words. But they're limited conversations by themselves. And then, you know, something like, I, I've been doing a lot of like qigong recently, which is like kind of tai chi. Mm-hmm. That's another set of words. And it, and then you you build this vocabulary and you're able to have bigger, more interesting conversations. Um, and I think we live in a time where people like to, um, you know, belong to a tribe and like, all I do is lift weights and all I do is deadlift and bench press. or CrossFit. Or, exactly. And I think there's something to that of like belonging to something. It gives you like this kind of like meaning. But at the expense of maybe missing out on something else that might really benefit CrossFit. Or like if you're a mm-hmm. yo- like a yogi, well, maybe like the Tai Chi and the Qi Gong, and this is something me and Tay were doing, it's like maybe that can influence like your flows. Mm-hmm. Or maybe on the days that you're recovering from weightlifting, like, like I saw something on online the other day, this guy was like, this is my off day. And he was like, yeah, so I just squatted 225 for like five sets and did like, you know, 100 kettlebell swings and 300 meters on the road like that's not an off day right it's like i think at that point maybe like the exercise is is distracting you from something some other area of your life that you're not willing to so it's like that like i say it's like the yin and yang and some of these practices are more like male like get it done energy which is necessary yeah and some of it is more that kind of like feminine you know rest and recover and regenerate which we 
probably in this day and age need more mm-hmm. um, more couch uh, planks more couch planks yeah yeah but like if you can't rest and recover then and especially like you know I, I feel like stress is pretty high in in the in the is the word like in the zeitgeist like everyone is yeah. kind of feeling like a stress society yeah um, and then exercise can be this like extra stressor that you put on top of it well if you have these other avenues that you can tap into it's i think it's only beneficial to like be exploring let's let's unpack that a little bit because i think that something you do a great job of as a personal trainer is is taking a lot of the stress out of of the the exercising mm-hmm. like the anxiety that a lot of people feel towards that um so how how do you do that you know there how do you take someone who maybe hasn't been to the gym um you know in a few years even um, how, how do you get them motivated to get going again? Um, I can't take all the credit for it. Although I have, you know, you would think that someone who's grown up doing a lot of athletics and spending time in the gym would be really comfortable. But again, a lot of the, the reason I started working out in the gym was out of insecurity. So mm. I can relate to the idea of feeling like not enough and like, stepping into a place because you want to change yourself maybe to be better um i'm also lucky to have taylor and Mm -hmm. with her kind of so like psychology kind of background um and a mother-in-law who's a therapist so we have some interesting conversations but the idea of just meeting someone where they're at with compassion is is like really important to me Mm -hmm. to not to try and take as much shame out of stepping in to the gym because if it's something you've been neglecting for a long time there's probably going to be a lot of feelings to unpack around you know starting continuing and i actually made a post about this the other day um about like when you've been neglecting something for a while then it can be it could be your fitness it could be your health it could be a partner or like you're checking your bank account or something even yeah dread dread the balance exactly and there's this like kind of like grief and this loss and this regret that like why didn't i do it sooner Mm -hmm. um it's like the classic procrastination yeah so then if someone's actually taking the time to break out of that and get in touch with me to say listen like i want to try and do this for me then to kind of be in a place like all right let's you're you're you know you're a piece of shit like we need to get you need to get better mm-hmm. it, it's not going to help anyone some people think and I, i've witnessed it firsthand on an extreme level of motivation through shame mm-hmm. of like i'm better than you and i'm going to tell you everything i know because i'm better than you or just like tough love even you know like that that classic high school coach yeah kind of grinding into your ear sometimes it's time for like i don't know if it's tough love tough love but like honesty when mm-hmm. you've but that's like after you've built a relationship with someone and you're in the right place to be able to like speak a truth from a but from a place of compassion right like this is like dude i've got your back and i can see all the potential you have because one i can see it and two i've seen it in all these other people i've worked with before and i've worked with like I was trying to think like that, like thousands of hours worth of training at this point and hundreds of people that I've seen go through similar journeys that like you can do this. And that's really, that's, that's, that's super important to me. That's really important. Like it's, it's my process. Yeah. And I know like when I come into the gym and train with you, oftentimes 
it'll be back to back with someone who's like leaving a session and they're maybe like, you know, in their fifties and mm-hmm. going through, you know, either struggles with weight loss or surgery or what it, whatever. Or, and then there's other times where I'll come in and the session before me was a young athlete who's, mm-hmm. who's, you know, prospected to go to college or whatever. Yeah. Um, so how, uh, how does that, you know, varied group of individuals of all different ages and skill levels, how, how does working with them, you know, benefit you as a trainer? Um, and do you think that's something that you specialize in? Is it something you do consciously? It's not something I would, maybe it's a specialty. I was, I was kind of thinking about like what my superpowers would be (laughs) as like in in my, maybe in my profession. I think I kind of touched upon it about the idea of kind of meeting people where they're at, but just of being, being able to listen to people and you'll hear the same things come from someone who's like, I've worked with professional athletes. Mm -hmm. I work with kids. I've worked with like average, your average Joe who just wants to get fit. Um, I work with kids with learning disabilities and you, you you can hear a lot of the same struggles in all the people and maybe not to sound too like kind of pretentious, but like everyone, like we're all the same. Like I mean, like that 10th rep, no matter what weight you're lifting is going to be hard. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just some people, some people have different struggles and different barriers and, I guess maybe what my specialty is like is maybe building a relationship with people to be able to listen to them enough to try and understand and have conversations about what what they want as opposed to like so I have an expertise in in maybe knowledge of how to get stronger and how to get fitter and it will apply differently to each person and then it's figuring out how I can apply that knowledge in a way that will resonate with you the most and it, mm-hmm. and it resonates different for different people depending on what their goals are you know why is it important to have such a custom fit approach because uh, even though i say we're all the same everyone has their own individual needs and everyone's coming in at a different point so you know you could come in and you know we've talked about kind of working around with like certain knee injuries that you've had or someone might have had a back surgery mm-hmm. um so you just need to it's how not do you how do you work with the person who has knee surgery or back surgery um I, you know obviously like there's going to be a very specific training regimen there but mm-hmm. how do you work with them more so off and outside the gym when they're you know inevitably going <clears> to <throat> beat themselves up about you know recovering and being you know inactive i think it's like trust is important and and again it's like that kind of relationship building of that they trust you and you've they have some trust that you have their best interest at heart mm-hmm. um patience and again listening <laughs> like i so i have an injury at the moment mm-hmm. and i it's funny because <coughs> i am realizing that i have treated myself differently to how i if 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 i as a person came into me mm-hmm. and had told me months ago the issues I was having, I would have given myself a different prescription of exercise than yeah. what I've been doing for myself. Because I, that's I, a great physical example of of self compassion. Yeah, because it's like you know the there's always that like non physical example of like 
you wouldn't talk to yourself the way you talk to your friends mm-hmm. or someone you love or care about. So don't talk to yourself that way. Right. But 100%. Like from a personal training standpoint, it's almost like you physically, you know. But the two, the two are so linked because the reason I am not treating myself physically in the same way is because kind of like I said, like, oh, well, I'm a trainer. Like I should, I should be this, this, um, this way and be able to do these things. Um, so like I'm, I'm behaving out of this, this it's more fear as opposed to like, mm-hmm. listen, like you're also a human being who does physical things for a living. So wear and tear is going to happen and it's completely fine for you to take the time to heal. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it's like my body didn't give me a chance. It's like, fuck you, like your shoulder hurts and now you're not doing anything. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I can still do other things, but um, maybe not the things I want to do. But that's a, it's a good lesson too, because now I have to spend more time, you know, with those slower energies and it's given me more chance to reflect. And what are some ways that you've worked on? I mean, it's, it's definitely not something that you can just do overnight to have that kind of self-compassion. But, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are so hard on themselves, you know, whether it's an injury or, you know, getting, you know, fired from a job or even a divorce from a relationship or what be it. You know, some people tend to see that as like this spiral downfall and, and there's like an insurmountable loss. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some strategies that you've used to get to a point where you're able to take those moments where you would be hard on yourself and just have a little bit more love and compassion for yourself and your body and mind? I mean, it's an ongoing process. I still do it. I still catch myself. Maybe I'm quicker at catching it and more able to recognize it one you think that step one is catching and recognizing it yeah i think i think you have to so i was listening to something and it was talking about like the uh it's like maslow's four stages of consciousness Mm -hmm. so the first one is unconscious incompetence so let's say my thing is catching that i am hard on myself well there's a level where I'm not even aware I'm being hard on myself. I'm just being hard on myself and that's how things are. So that's mm-hmm. level one. And then the second level is conscious incompetence, which I guess that you say, so maybe it is the first step. Like I am now aware that I'm being hard on myself. I've not done anything about it, but like at least I know it's like shit, like I'm being hard on myself. Right. And it still, <laughs> and it still sucks. And then the third one is um, conscious competence. So now I can recognize it and I can start to do something about it. It's, it takes it, some action. But it takes a lot of work still. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess the next stage, which is the stage I'm still trying to get to, and I think we all are, is like the unconscious competence where now I don't think about that. I just am like more yeah. in, in that mode. Um, we will do all that work and we'll acknowledge that, that you know, we'll get to the point of being conscious of what's going on in our in our struggles. But I think we tend to let it label us, you know, it, it becomes like, oh, I am a divorcee or I am a failure. I am mm-hmm. a fired person. I am uh, injured. You know, I am, I'm, a, I have knee surgery, you know, you are that. Um, so how do you, what would you say to somebody who just is so, so, you know, caught in that? One part of it is that I have a really special person that I'm in a relationship with that, that, helps me with those things when I'm struggling mm-hmm. um, and the last year or so I've been I started working with a, a guy who's kind of become like a mentor and 
you know, we don't have much of a program. We just sit down and talk and usually things come up about like what I'm stressed about or what's going on in my life. And then he asks me questions about why I feel a certain way. And then you can kind of track back to like, oh, like me being anxious about work is like this fear that of whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so working with someone else about like maybe what my triggers are, about what my fears, and everyone has their own particular fears of maybe of people leaving them or like that they're not enough. I think like they don't work hard enough. That's a big one for me is that like, like, or in your world you know you might tear your shoulder and you won't be able to bench press again or something right like right now i could be like like this is the end like Mm -hmm. if i like like my shoulder injury would put me in such a state and it's not luckily like it could easily be well i won't be able to be in good shape no one will want to work with me anymore Mm -hmm. i won't get any more clients and you can keep tracking this back. It goes it, like it can go downhill real quick. Of like, oh, yeah. I won't be able to provide for my family. Right, we're going to be homeless. All of a sudden, you're on the streets, and, and all of a sudden, like you're dead, and yeah. like shit. Like and people, people run through that in their head over and over again with, all day. And it happens so quick that you don't even realize it. Just becomes like this emotion. Yeah. Um. So it's like that synapsis, like stopping it before it gets down that line. You know. Yeah. Um. So this guy that I work with, Steve, um, he kind of put it to me in this way of it's like there's a road that you go down and you've gone down this road so many times it's just like you get in your car and drive to work and it's the same drive and you can do it so mindlessly sometimes you get there and you don't even realize how you got there Mm -hmm. how like oh shit like i'm at work now i don't remember like making the turns and that's like that path down that that route of maybe the emotion that like sets you off or triggers Mm -hmm. you and then yeah being able to put roadblocks in there so like you know there's a roadblock now on that um on that path but there's going to be days still when you leave the house and start driving that route until you realize there's a roadblock and then Mm -hmm. eventually you want to get to that point where before you leave the house you know there's a roadblock and you find the other way yeah it was it's kind of like that same thing like you want it to eventually be um unconscious and i actually i wrote some notes here about some other stuff that kind of help has helped me with that about things I do daily, mm-hmm. if, if you want to hear. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I guess if if those things that are tripping you up about, let's say, I'll, I'll use an example, maybe it's hypothetical, of someone who comes to me um, in the gym and they have maybe issues of sticking to a workout program, sticking to a diet. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's something deeper like it's it's never just like i can't i don't know what to do because there's a point where i've given you enough information that you do know what to do so there's something deeper and maybe there's a deeper underlying fear that i don't deserve to be in the shape i want to be or if i get in shape the people in my life won't love me or people will see me differently maybe like things will be harder i won't be able to be the lazy guy anymore Mm mm-hmm so these are all these stories and like then you start to say like you have this story that I am like the lazy person and this is the way it is, this is the That's way it's the gonna identifying. be. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So something Steve worked on with me is is kind of having this like operating system of like all the decisions that you make in your life and it's hard, you try and attach around these um core values. And it is again it's work because you gotta sit down and think like 
I remember when he first asked me, he's like, what are your core values? And I'm so like, what are your 10 commandments? I'm like, duh, I, I don't yeah. know. Like, don't steal. survive, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, be good. Um, <laughs> so like now I have like this list and, and it's, it can sound trite, but it works. Mm-hmm. So like I have this list of core values um, and it's, it's like a commitment to a way of being. So what are they? So this is, and this is a statement I wrote to myself and it's like, I am committed to being this way. So I am committed to being authentic, mm-hmm. balanced. I'm committed to being committed, courageous, present, inspiring, joyous, and a dependable man. Mm-hmm. Um, How long have you had these commitments for? Written like this, like maybe a year. Mm-hmm. Have you um, adjusted them at all? No, mm-hmm. no. Um, I'm sure there's other things too, but I think a lot of like what I want is is encompassed within those words. I think a lot covers it. So let's say I wake up and I'm in a mood where I don't want to go to the gym or I don't want to eat healthy. Um, Shit, it's too hard to go out and get good food. It's easy to call Uber Eats and get a burger. Um, I'm lazy, like I'm a piece of shit. I'm just going to like, what's the point anyway? Mm -hmm. Well let's look at my list is is that i've already so you know you write this when you're in your best state because right. that's like that's what that's what you want to be that's your, your ideal well i'm not committed to being well i'm definitely not committed to being authentic because i said that i wanted these other things and that doesn't like, align with that being committed to my if i've said that i want to be healthy and get in shape well i'm not being authentic if i'm ordering a burger um i'm definitely not being balanced I've said this thing I was going to do, go and work out, be healthy because it makes me feel good, but I'm not being committed. Some of it is coming from fear, so I'm not being courageous. Um, it's not coming from a joyous place. So like, it's, there's all these things and you're like, oh shit, yeah, I said all these things. That's me. Yeah. As much as the other things I've said about myself are me. There's some accountability. Yeah. And, and some of it is, like you say, like sometimes like that's my role as a trainer too and like i am I, I'm, I would say i was friends with like you know my clients too um and that's where i'm in a place to be able to say yo dude or do that mm-hmm. <laughs> um you told me this that you wanted this thing do do you still want it like do you want to improve your health because you've said it's going to like make your life better yeah and like oh yeah all right cool well when you didn't show up today did you break that commitment to yourself? Yeah. And like, yeah. And then it's like, all right, cool. And that's fine. And I have like all the compassion because it's hard. Right. However, we need to recommit to these things that you said. So what is that fine line there though, between, you know, um, beating yourself up for missing a day at the gym and also giving yourself that leniency to have some, you know, some room for error? It's hard and I think it comes with time and practice um, because I think in the early days you can trick yourself like, oh, like, yeah, I'm going to eat these burgers tonight and go out and drink because I am also committed to being balanced and this is Mm self-care. Yes, but like, is it getting you closer to the goal? And And then if the answer is honestly no, well, it's like, all right, well, that's fine. And now I'm making this choice out of 
giving myself something beneficial as opposed to like thinking of it as like I'm depriving myself. And, and you know, there's also like the, the honest truth is the sacrifice in all of it. Right. There's the sacrifice in, in having it and the sacrifice in not having it's it. It's like that, the reward from the sacrifice or the reward from the instant gratification. Mm-hmm. What, what, what is going to be better? Right. And having people, I think, that hold you accountable to that too or someone to like ask like is important. Like that's why I'm so grateful that like I have a lot of people that surround me that are, are kind of like-minded um, that I can be like, is this, am, am I tricking myself by saying that like, like so here's an, here's an example. So me and Tay are doing this like um, three months sober. Mm-hmm. And not that I'm a, I, I really don't drink that much anyway. But like, you know, sometimes on the weekend, it's like oh, a glass of wine with dinner. And then at times that's become, I'll have a glass of wine after work to, you know, to relax. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it pops up, you're like, oh, wow. Like, you know, yeah, I could have a glass of wine tonight. Like it, it's fine. Like it's fine. It's healthy. Like every other area of my life is great. And I'm really taking care of myself. This one glass of wine isn't going to affect me. But like. I did say I was going to do it for a dry three. three months. Yeah. So like, you're not going to trip out over the, the fact that, you know, one glass of alcohol might not be the healthiest. Right. But if it doesn't align with what your goals are specifically, like exactly three months not drinking alcohol, yeah. then it's not for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's just like my personal example. It might not relate, but it's, I think it's similar, you know? Yeah. And, and something that I really admire and I, keep bringing this up but it's it's your you know your dedication and like your your discipline is incredible um and i think that you know for some a lot of your clients and just a lot of listeners i'm sure it's like one of the things that we're challenged with most Mm -hmm. and i know that for when we first started working together a big uh proponent you're a big proponent of just keeping things one day at a time Mm -hmm. and there's so many times where you know um, we'll be on Instagram, which we'll talk more about, mm-hmm. but, or you'll be even in the gym and you'll see people that, you know, may have been in the gym for 10 years before you yeah, and they have a different physique. They have a different, you know, relationship with the actual exercises and they have, you know, a different skill set. Um, but it's easy to go into the gym and see that and, and compare and, and, you know, feel like we want to be there tomorrow, mm-hmm. which is unrealistic. Yeah. Um, I've been really privileged to have worked with a few people that are in recovery and that's like mm-hmm. a, that's like a a very very prominent saying within like one recovery. day at a time one day at a time yeah like you can't give up well for me like you know you can't give up alcohol for three months today like right. you can do it one day at a time um and, that, and, it, and it, for, it was it was like for me i think we started talking a lot about it because i was meditating on that app and um it was like on headspace app Mm -hmm. and it and it tallies up the amount of days uh consecutive that you've you've meditated and i kept coming in to train with you and i was like oh it's been like 80 something days or whatever and and then i think there was a day where i accidentally like didn't do it or whatever you know and it didn't record and it went back to zero and i think we were talking just about conceptually how like we get so attached to these like the out the the outcome right before we even get started or you know before we can even have like you know some experience under our belt yeah it's learning to enjoy the i guess like the the process is the thing like that's like the 
like the the end goal is great and obviously like if someone comes in and their goal is to lose a certain amount of weight or look a certain way mm-hmm. that's very very important and it and it can be very that that can be the motivation but like not at the expense of like enjoying each day and 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 taking it as a lifestyle because then what happens when you you've lost 30 pounds and then then what yeah then what like you so I, I love the physical examples that we have in, in you know, exercise and mm-hmm. all that. Well, how do you apply the one day at a time mindset in the gym, outside of the gym? think having some, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the gym, but the gym is a great example because if you, and that's kind of sometimes what I, I say to people is like, all right, look, we had this particular goal and, you know, you can use like a strength exercise as a really good um example with someone so if let's say someone can't do a pull-up there's a very particular training program you can put a person on to make them do a Mm pull-up and it isn't a linear thing it's not like we just do more and more and more and more It, it comes in a wave it's called like periodization so you know we slowly increase like the amount that we're doing until we hit a certain peak and then we drop back down and then we start to increase it and start to increase it and we come a little bit past where we were and then we drop it back down. Just because, like the stock market. Hopefully better than the stock market. <laughs> but it's not like it, if you were to just keep going like headstrong, you'd eventually burn out or get hurt mm-hmm. or there'd just be a ceiling to what you can do. So it has to wave. Um, and it can take a really long time and it will take a really long time. Um, so really all I all I can do for someone is maybe illuminate that of listen like we had this this goal and it was a lofty goal it took a long time it took a lot of work it wasn't a straight line there was days when you came in when you felt weak there were days when you came in when you felt great and it was it was kind of consistency and you know consistent um modifying and, and retracking that got you to the the end spot um and that you didn't do it by yourself and like sometimes doing these things by yourself is hard um so all right you have me to do it with your fitness well who else can you find in your life to do it in that other area of what it is you know mm-hmm. and asking for help is fine maybe that's like another thing so sidetracking a little bit mm-hmm. um because i think to get to where we're at right now you'd have to have a lot of goals you know um, what are some of your strategies that you work with clients on building realistic and obtainable goals? It depends on what someone's goal is. I mean, obviously, everyone's goals are different. I think that a really important thing for a goal is understanding the motivation behind it. Like, why do you want this thing? And I think you can learn a lot about yourself um, and your motivations, and that can help. So like, what is your motivation for like wanting this goal? So I was working with a client the other day. We've been working together for a while now. Um, and this guy's goal is to change his appearance. Like he wants to put on some muscle um, and he wants to get bigger. Mm-hmm. And that is it. I have done that as a personal goal and it brought me a lot of um, self-confidence. However, I have also done it when it's left me feeling pretty empty. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, maybe we can link. I don't know if I can post this photo. Maybe I'll tag you in it as well. But I have these two photos of me side by side 
one um, was, I think it was after I did this bike ride and I really kind of like was super fatigued, kind of fell out of wanting to train and spent a bunch of time just really doing yoga, being flexible, still eating very healthy, but my training looked very different Mm -hmm. and I looked very different. And then there's a picture of me next to it where I look pretty cut. I was carrying a lot more muscle. My body fat was a lot lower, but I didn't feel very good. Yeah. Because the motivation behind it was some of what I was saying. I feel like um, I have these goals in my career that I believe will be affected by how I look because of social media and such, which is true to a point. So, but also I'm going on vacation and I want to look good and it's more it was more out of fear than out of love for wanting to be you know better so in one picture i felt great didn't look i mean i looked fine no but in the other picture i looked like shredded and felt like crap right so my advice to this guy who had a similar goal of wanting to change his body and do like a transformation he he'd spoken to me a lot about how it still happens to him now and he's like in his mid to late 20s professional guy um but people still comment on his size as a skinny guy again which i can relate to and i think this happened to him a lot of being younger of people treating him a certain way because he was skinny Mm -hmm. and i can relate just because i was like the big guy mm -hmm. you know and it wasn't to the point where like you could call me big and it was like calling me fat it was just a big guy you Mm -hmm. know but I was carrying 50 extra pounds, you know? So in my eyes, it was like you were calling me fat, but... And was there any point of view that what was like, I'll prove these people wrong. Like, I'll show you who's the big guy. Mm. Was there any of that? Mm. Oh, no? Sometimes. I mean, playing sports for sure, you know? Or like feeling shame for like being that way? Feeling shame for sure, yeah, yeah. So sometimes like, it's a, it's. A I dub- broke the lug nut off my friend's car while trying to, <laughs> oh, to replace his tire, you know, and it was like yeah. embarrassing, but it's also like you have to kind of embrace it. So sometimes that can be a good catalyst. Like sometimes it is like a wake up call, but other times like it's not really what you need. So I, I sent him a message and I was like, listen, I want to maybe try and reframe what we're doing. It's like this, he, this guy is a great guy. Um, like really super good heart like really enthusiastic about anything that he does and he wants to do his best and i kind of pose it to him as like all right well we're not doing this for anyone else like yes like it sucks that these people have said these things to you and that makes you feel a certain way but like let's treat it like you have this lamborghini engine that's sitting in like a ford focus car and like that Ford Focus like body is no longer serving the engine that's inside it. Mm-hmm. And like, let's, let's fucking upgrade it. Like let's, right. let's change it. Let's, let's match the engine to the body because then the body can be maybe a more accurate reflection of, of you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying like you have to be like- I mean, a Ford Focus body with cool. a Lamborghini engine is It's still gonna sweet. go. Yeah, it's yeah. still gonna go. But like, will that Lamborghini body benefit you? And if the answer is yes, and it's really going to bring you a lot of joy, which it really will, like get after it, then fucking let's go and yeah. let's and let's let's do it. Um, yeah. And it, it kind of comes from this place of excitement, then of like I was saying, like what am I possible of doing, mm-hmm. as opposed to like 
acting out of you know not enough because you can get like i said you can get in shape and still feel like you're not enough yeah so you gotta take care of the, the kind of hardware at the same time speaking of hardware um with iphones and tablets and netflix and youtube and all that uh screen time is like insanely high mm-hmm. i know that i'm pretty you know pretty intently focused on my phone throughout the day um do you think that's impacted exercise and fitness in our society and do you think that there's a systemic issue with addiction to our devices yes <laughs> yes yeah it's yeah. yeah. a loaded question but i yeah. mean there's a lot to it so is has it influenced fitness in the way we view fitness 100 percent example is the amount of times people come in to me and tell me oh, i saw this exercise and uh, you you've done it and oh, yeah. it, it depends who you're looking at as to whether yeah. it's good or not because yeah. if you're looking at a really good strength and conditioning coach and like oh i saw this guy doing this thing like that can be invaluable right there great this is going to make me want to work out people oh, i saw this lady doing this exercise or like i saw this lady or this guy that this supplement and that can be dangerous then it starts it's like what's that person's motivation and sometimes there's a lot of fitness stuff out there that's kind of shaming like these are the 10 worst exercises never to do like are you an idiot doing these things probably by my program as opposed to like here's some good information um so yes i think there is a lot of um information that's out there that's kind of clickbait to um you know to get likes and to get you to buy stuff which is you know, I'm all for because, like, you know, eventually that's something I would like to move into. Be able to, like, if I've got this information that I think is really valuable, then I also need to make a living and to be able to give it to someone, but not from a place of like not being fully transparent and mm-hmm. coming from a place of of not giving the maybe the best information. It's that, an that avenue can. that can be taken advantage of a lot. A hundred percent, especially when a lot of people are looking for. Um, a lot of people who are looking for this stuff are probably dealing with insecurities. Like it's a big thing, and you see these people with their shirts off that are right, and like you're comparing your body to theirs, and you can immediately. And again, this is something I do for a living, and I can look at these things and be like, "Damn, like, what am I not doing?" Right. Um. So yeah, I do think it's an issue in terms of addiction. You mean like addiction? What can, what can we do about it? What can we do? Um. I know I know for me like as a consumer is, I mean for me it's it's like the the how grateful I feel for my yoga class that you know doesn't allow phones in the studio mm-hmm. so that I spend at least an hour you know four or five times a week without my phone yeah you know that adds up and uh without even thinking about it I'm, I'm spending some time without my phone so mm-hmm. I know I'm grateful for that but you know aside from from serious breaks uh, or, or deliberate breaks what else can we do I was just having this kind I've had this conversation with Steve who I met with this weekend and I was having this conversation with Tay um I mean there's it's an inevitable part of our lives now mm-hmm. I use it I I can't bash it because I can't bash it too much because it's something that's been beneficial to me if I put stuff out there and people see it and it's a marketing tool for people to be aware, it raises awareness of what I do and people can get in, in touch with me. And that's how I've built a lot of my business is mm-hmm. through through word of mouth, but also like you saying, oh, I was working with this guy, Ollie, check out his Instagram. Right. So it's beneficial, but 
if See, I think it's where it, that's where it is very be- beneficial and mm-hmm. it works really well. Um, it's it's like w- the comparing and and the uh, the self loathing that it can yeah. lead to. It's like um, you know sometimes I feel like it's it can do a lot of harm. If it's bringing anxiety and like you say like negative self talk, which it has for me, and I've had to go through and delete 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 yeah. like i f- i'm super specific on who i follow that's related to fitness and there's only yeah. f- there's only uh, there's only a few i let in um because it's very easy to get caught up in it of like damn this guy's posting every day and he's like he's got his shirt off and everything and like people are always commenting about like how great shape is in and like but don't you think behind the scenes his life is just as big of a mess as any of ours possibly yeah yeah very yeah Yeah. and i think that's what i'm trying to get at more so is like you know being able to like remind ourselves that we're all humans Mm -hmm. and and that when we're on uh, an app like instagram it's it's going to be like this very well curated um fine-tuned expose of what people want you to see not necessarily the real thing and i think that we get so um attached to these uh influencers for lack of a better term mm-hmm. that um that are are really only showing us a very 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 one-sided look into their lives and it makes us feel really bad about ourselves because we obviously live this multifaceted life and there's ups and downs and side to sides and yeah you know um well yeah. also a lot of these fitness people are living an unrealistic lifestyle for you know again like your average person who works like a nine to five job right maybe has kids um has a bunch of other commitments that isn't able to maybe do all of the things that this person does you know i was i was i was writing a note today um you can look online and scroll through and you know there's so many like the number one, the best, like the best morning routine that you have to do, Mm -hmm. the best stretch routine, the best workout, the best exercise. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're sat there thinking, like, what am I doing? Like, Mm -hmm. what am I spending my time doing if I'm not doing like, and then it kind of becomes like this shame, like shit, like, well, this guy is getting up at, you know, he's, he's meditating, he's doing a cold plunge, he's doing a sauna, he's done yoga, he's saged his house and <laughs> like before six o'clock in the morning yeah, yeah. and you're like damn like fuck i woke up at my alarm and struggled to get a cup of coffee before i got out of the door yeah all right well or it's ha- like if your dog decides to take five six minutes outside extra then they it happens take. yeah, yeah bella does it all of a sudden your your coffee's gone and you know and you're late and i mean that's that's the perils that you know we we as everyday human have to live with right so I was thinking about it. Larry David inspired me. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll start doing it. It's like, all right, here's the pretty good like morning routine. Yeah. Like if you hit like maybe like one of these three mm, things. It's pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty it's good. It's pretty good. Like if you do one of these things, like maybe like it's just like stop at your door. <sighs> Fuck, I'm ready. Yeah, take a breath before you leave. Yeah, like maybe yeah. that's like, all right, that's better than nothing. So like, or like here's like the pretty good, like not everyone is going to sit down and do like a 15 minute re- mobility routine before they go to bed but maybe there's one stretch that's gonna help them out like it takes 30 seconds and that's completely cool like you've just you've just a hundred percent increased like you know but while we're on that subject though as funny as this can be like what what are some of your non-negotiables you know 
like what 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 can you not go without okay so maybe this is where people would be like this is unrealistic and you know you're a freak this is where the chris traeger comes in yeah so i and i've been doing this for some time i get up at about and my job kind of well it it does and it doesn't require it but i get up either during the week at four o'clock or 4 30 a.m a.m yeah but so monday wednesday friday my first session is at 6 30 in the morning mm-hmm. tuesday thursday tuesday thursday is at six it takes me 15 minutes to get to the gym so if you do the math on that all right i need to leave the house if i want to get there before six i need to leave the house at 5 30 mm-hmm. i get up at four so you have an hour and a half I have an hour and a half and i still dick around yeah but i have come i've and i've done it where i just get up make a cup of coffee and go yeah and i have been doing this long enough to realize that the days i do that feel like a whirlwind i forget things i feel rushed i feel hurried and the quality that i can provide not only to my clients but then like in my relationships at home as well suffer Mm -hmm. so giving myself time in the morning is a is a non-negotiable for me um i've been through a bunch of different like iterations of morning routines um at the moment i get up first thing i do is boil the kettle and make coffee mm-hmm. um on days and I, I try not to beat myself up because maybe this is just what i do but sometimes i do like sit and like oh it's like what's going on, on instagram mm-hmm. um while i'm waiting for my coffee but then i'll sit down and right now i'm journaling three pages i've been doing this thing called the artist way which maybe we can come back to but every day i write three pages and it can be just be nonsense it can some days it's profound some days it's coffee's too hot like Mm -hmm. i don't want to write like i've got all these things i need to do like i don't know what to write (laughs) sometimes Mm -hmm. just trying to fill the page but you just write anything sometimes Mm -hmm. just like a mind dump um and that that's really it like i sit and maybe like contemplate what i want to like my um so the main non-negotiable is is claiming your mornings yeah being in control of it mm-hmm. of like feeling like i have and you can insert different practices in yeah. that time frame but it's really that morning that's that's important to you and there's and then i try and sit and think about like what how how i want to be so as much as i have like my to-do list I, that usually comes out of the way in the pages what do you mean you think about how you want it to, like visioning how i want to be mm-hmm. how do i want to be as a person today mm. so um, setting some intention it's, it's those core values things like i want to be mm-hmm. you know i want to be joyous i want to like improve i want to like add something to someone's day i want to be dependable for my wife like i want to make people laugh and then there's like you know there's definitely a lot of the days where i'm sat there thinking like who the fuck are you to say that like you know you're not gonna be able to do that when you sat here being anxious in the morning about getting everything done Mm -hmm. but it's better than like not doing it totally um so there's good days there's bad days but like that's that's pretty much it like the journaling and then the kind of like intention thing but that's taken a bunch of practice too and i've been like i've been waking up early for so long that it's, it's become but like there's days when I had to drag myself out of bed but now it's pretty much the alarm goes off I'm up and I do it mm-hmm. someone I learned this thing what is it like the three second decision or something like that mm-hmm. it's like 
you can't stay in bed more than three seconds once you're awake you just get up and yeah you just have to get to if it. you if you lay there for more than like it's done i mean i think it just goes back to like relying on your instincts yeah you know we we make our best judgments like probably instinctually it's like i set my alarm at this time for a reason like yeah. I'm, i was still the same person when i thought it was a good idea to like and i'm also like realizing that i am a different like it feels like two different people from like the night before to the morning yeah like i wake up and i'm like you're an a idiot. restart you're an idiot why'd you set the <laughs> like why'd you do it and then i'm like oh no i did do it that was me like let's oh, go yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's like it's like jekyll and hyde you know it's yeah. like that there's you're like down on yourself yeah there's like, there's having, like having these non-negotiables yeah it's like, yeah. prick like mm-hmm. <laughs> you set the bar too high but also there's a reason like i had that thought and you know when you do it you realize it, it is good and it does benefit you and it's got to a point now where it's, it is pretty um it's pretty ingrained even to when we went on vacation over mm-hmm. christmas like we'd still wake up at 6 30 and go and like you know watch mm-hmm. the sunrise let's start i told some people like why'd you wake up at 6 30 when you're on vacation it's like that's well, the point yeah and i, I still i agree yeah so yeah. It, yeah, i watch every sunrise and sunset on vacation it was great mm-hmm. um but yeah that's so that that's a non-negotiable in terms of the morning in the evening I fall asleep so so well. Yeah. Um, I don't really have an evening thing. We've started not having our phones in the room. Uh, we bought a lot. I use it for an alarm clock. Yeah. But we um, we bought like actual alarm clocks so the phones don't even come in our room. Did you get a, uh, a sunrise alarm clock? Yeah, Tay got them. Yeah, so we had Casey Must from Citizen Yoga on the podcast. I think that's where Tay got it from. I think okay, she cool, heard that. Cool, so yeah. you're inspiring people. You good, inspired us. Good. <laughs> Maybe we'll get Phillips to sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I think that that's really you know, and that goes back to like the screen time. You mm-hmm. know, I know f- for myself, I still haven't really taken my phone out of my room at night. Yeah. And it really, you know, um, luckily I've worked really hard on on good sleeping habits mm-hmm. but that's like the last thing of like getting getting my phone out of my room yeah but um you know i have had to insert some other non-negotiables this year though um in reflection mm-hmm. so for me you i tr- i try I try not to like say it's a non-negotiable because some days i can't but like I try and get a nap every day and I'm, mm. I, but I'm super lucky that my schedule allows, like I have this downtime in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've already done like four hours of training in the morning and I get home and it's like, what, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, And like, it can be like, it's before 11 and I've already. It would tra- almost be impossible not to take a nap. Right. So then <laughs> I, you know, I take our dog out, I have something to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't usually have to be back at the gym until about three thirty, four o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be there until like eight. And I have other work to do, you know, I'm writing programs and stuff and replying to people. But like- You're writing more than just programs too, aren't you? Like writing a, like a book essentially too? What do you mean? Or like a manuscript, like a- Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm work- like there's things I'm working on that I would like eventually, uh, maybe we'll talk about like other things I have planned in terms of like the future. But yeah, like I'm, you know, maybe like recording exercises to send to someone or mm-hmm. like a lot of the stuff I write in my journal, like I would like to, like I did a nutrition guide for you um, mm-hmm. and the guys that come to our workout group um, of being able to kind of condense some of the stuff we're talking about now into something that's like easier to digest. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I need 20 minutes at least, should I? So mm-hmm. maybe I set my, set my alarm for 30 minutes because I need like five minutes either side to fall asleep. 
Um, but that's that's pretty non-negotiable because I've dealt with you know, people say like I've heard like it's like a fitness thing like oh you're like there's no such thing as burnout like you're just not trying hard enough but like burnout's real like I've lost when I don't really have like excitement to go into work and like I don't want to work out like I'm burnt out I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not yeah, get- it's not just in the fitness world it's, no it's, it's in work like yeah. that work-life balance yeah. so this year um like I barely took any days off last year and like sometimes I wore it as like a badge of honor like yeah, I were an entrepreneur you know it's like, like yeah like I should be working seven days a week mm-hmm. like I really don't like him anymore but Gary V it's like yeah it's all about this hustle mm-hmm. and like yeah to a point but like there's also a point where you're hustling so hard that like it's affecting other areas of your life yeah and I'm a you know a miserable person to tell you when I come home which I don't want to be and then I'll feel bad about myself so like this year planning in specific time off which is coming up um, and planning in dates where I take myself to do like a little activity by myself mm-hmm. um, or like I'm going to I've got a few workshops coming up that I'm going to go to by myself and, and planning these times away and then not being guilty about it because I know it's going to mm-hmm. it's going to repay me back yeah it's all part I'm going to be growth. better I'm going to be better for the people that I work with if I'm in good shape you know yeah absolutely so that's 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 becoming more of a non-negotiable for me I guess you kind of put it under the self-care kind of I got a couple more questions here. Okay. Is there any moment, so we talked about you getting to like the point where you were a personal trainer, you're getting your Yoda yoga certification. Yoda. I want to get my Jedi certification next. (laughs) You're getting your yoga certification. Uh, You have all these other certifications. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're building your business. You have all these clients, like you said, thousands of hours of training under Mm -hmm. your belt. Was there any moment during this, you know, climb that you felt like you were close to giving up? Mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's there's been doubt there's still days of of doubt it's definitely it's it's like a point now where like my bigger worry is which is i i'm feel super grateful is that my bigger worry is of finding time for myself because like I, my business is like going great mm-hmm. but there's definitely still times now when i'm like well this could all end real quick mm-hmm. <laughs> and then realizing like it's not but like yeah I don't know it was it was an interesting situation to be like thrust into uh and then some of these like you've ever heard like that phrase like burn the boats or like like leap in the net no going back i really didn't have another option when i came here um i mean i had a bachelor i had a bachelor's degree i have a bachelor's degree but it's in product design Mm -hmm. like it's nothing to do with fitness like this was just my passion um and I already knew I had such a background personally in it that it was like the, the certifications were easy. They were fun. That was like the easy part. That was that was great. Um, but coming here, I had nothing. I didn't have a job prospect necessarily. Um, I had no money. I think I had like a thousand dollars in my bank account, and it was a case of make this work or what. Mm-hmm. So it was like. I had a lot of self-belief, I guess, that I would make it work, um, but also that there wasn't another option mm-hmm. other than to make to make it work. So they kind of went hand in hand. Um, there were days when I wondered whether I was like doing the right thing, and like, you know, should I just go to Quicken Loans and try and start doing that? Because like, you can make really good money, and then maybe like, you know, and that would be cool too, and mm-hmm. I could probably reach some of the same goals I have for like, you know 
some of the things I want to do with having a family and providing for family and I could do that with another job but there's a purpose behind what I do and I believe like I have a purpose mm-hmm. behind what I do and that that's what keeps me going is, is the purpose that's actually written in the middle of this page right here why is that purpose so important like why why is it so important to you that other people exercise and live healthier lives I think I started doing it is I was aware of what it did for me in some of like my most challenging times of life it was there and it was a consistent and it was something I could fall back on it was something that was reliable it was something that I had control of um, and knowing what it did for me that was like really like that was the the initial like I'm going to be a trainer and I'm going to make everyone else fall in love with exercise mm-hmm that's a byproduct of i think the the work like evangelizing what you really find that you love right what did i write down here um like really that my purpose is to be of service and bring out the best in people and to move people physi- mm-hmm. physically and like it happens emotionally um as a byproduct um uh to make meaningful connections and to build a community Mm-hmm. so like for a lot of those things of like bringing out the best in people and making connections I am just lucky that I fell into personal training as like a vehicle for doing that and it's a it's like it just happens to be people like working out people feel they need to move physically people do need to move physically I just think it's in and our, you can see the change yeah I think it's in us as humans that we love like the movement is a connection to yourself. And that's like really, I think what is becoming more and more now. And I think as my career moves forward, this will become more and more of a part I like to work on um, is exercise is a great way for getting people to connect with themselves and learn about themselves. And if I can be some kind of guidance in that, that, that's like I feel privileged like to do that that's kind of like how I, I you know sometimes when I'm driving into work in the morning I think like wow I'm, these people are trusting me to do this with them mm-hmm. like I better do a really good job mm-hmm. yeah so if that per- and if, if it was just like I want to do this because it's easy and I can make money off the back of people I don't think I would come I don't think I would approach it from the same place and I don't think how I I'm with people would have the same energy don't get me wrong I want to make money too because you know again me being comfortable is allowing me to be in a certain way to influence other people mm-hmm. and I do like that's what we're talking about like being an influencer like I'm not like an Instagram influencer but like I work with a bunch of people that I'm influencing daily mm-hmm. like some of these people some of my clients I see more than I see my friends mm-hmm. so like I see that as like a responsibility and I I have to make sure that my purpose is is pretty true because like that's that's in my hands and I I want to make sure I'm doing a good job on that. And and then it makes me feel like you know it gives me meaning. It gives me meaning to wake up. It gives me meaning to do it when it you know it's it's long hours and I think that's what we're all looking for is purpose, meaning, intention. It seems like you have that really well defined. It's taken time. Again, I was reading a really like touching book it's called you may have read it it's called man's search for meaning mm-hmm. uh, this guy victor i have not read it no. read it um it's by victor frankel and he was um 
he was a thing was like a psychologist um psychoanalyst who ended up in auschwitz and a few other concentration camps and he had a particular psychology that allowed him to survive and because of his education in psychology he was able to while he was in there it was like he was doing work like he was Mm -hmm. like well why have i survived why do these people survive and these other people not um in like that's like the most extreme situation Mm -hmm. you know like i can't even imagine like you know i'm just thinking about trying to pay the bills and like going to the gym like that's like literally your life depends on it and he he has this quote in the book and i think it's actually uh, he writes it but i think it's like by carl jung and um it's like if you have like a why or if you have like an important enough why you can endure anyhow and the people who survived were people that had some kind like they put some kind of meaning behind it Mm -hmm. it's like this suffering is here to make me a stronger person so that when i get out i can share Mm -hmm. um so then it 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 changes you like when you feel like you have more will yeah something to live for yeah something to live for um I mean, I feel like there's nothing more hopeless than feeling like you don't have anything to live for and people are in that place and that's like really fucking sad. Mm -hmm. So then again, it kind of comes back to like being the kind of person that has that, that you can maybe influence someone else to see that they can have meaning and they can find meaning in anything. Like you don't have to find meaning in the things that I do. There can be like, it can be anything. Mm -hmm. So like, in fact, um, I would say in um trying to make any kind of change within like your personal life for for your health and physically it's like if you can really start to pin down some kind of meaning i think that's probably one of the most important things you can do because then it gives everything else like a purpose yeah in this uh growingly divided world how how do you think health and fitness can blur those lines that are drawn between us as humans I think it's really good for community and bringing people together. Yeah, do you think this comes all the way back to when you were a kid and, and your your love for the Olympics? How so? Um, oh, the, like there's different countries coming together yeah, for the same endeavor. Yeah, and I just thought about that as I asked the question because it's like, like for me, you know, like, and I'm probably answering my own question, mm-hmm. here, but like sports, you look at the field and you see, uh, you know, such a diverse range of, of athletes on the field. Um, probably more so than you would in any other industry or environment. Yeah. So, I mean... Um, music probably does the same thing, but I think, like, music and movement and uh, are some of the more positive things that unite people from, like like you say, like, you know, you can look in the Olympics and there's people from all over the world that are trying to do the same random sport, like, mm-hmm. trying to row a boat. Like, what's mm-hmm. that? Like, mm-hmm. But people are doing it from all over the place. And it's something people can relate to and come together with. And that, that for me is the next part of, I mean, I have a community of people that surrounds me, but kind of what we've been doing with like our group pop, like the pursuit mm-hmm. of progress group, like came out of me wanting people around me more. And like me wanting some kind of community of people who are like-minded that we get together and we do something that's beneficial for ourselves and then it kind of opens you up and then you start talking like like this conversation we're having now like we realize we all share a lot of the same fears and 
that we all kind of do some of the same things to ourselves and that this is a way that we can like say like kind of break down those barriers and talk mm. and then it seems like oh we're all in this together like that's why i think you know we were kind of bashing how well i was kind of bashing crossfit earlier like before mm-hmm, we started mm-hmm. the podcast Always. Um, crossfit no there is some of crossfit that's really <laughs> yeah, good no, it, it, just, it yeah. depends it's more the people that like it's their religion but um that's one of the great things about it is that people get together in this space and they're doing something really good for themselves and people are together and it's a really tight-knit community the yoga community is is mm-hmm. very similar um and i would like to start doing more of that and i have and that some of the things i have coming up planned are around bringing people together more mm-hmm. um and bringing people together to step away from like you know your kind of day-to-day life and have some time when you can like focus on you and and work in work in and work out it's not a workout to work in exactly who says that i don't know me i've heard someone say that (laughs) yeah um cool i mean so just to kind of wrap things up tell me a couple of things that are going on in your world that you're excited about that we haven't talked about um so i mean my day-to-day training is is kind of like the bulk of things or where i spend a lot of my time Mm -hmm. which i love um and i'm always trying to kind of like you know improve my skills coaching um we have our group our workout group in Mm -hmm. detroit pop pursuit of progress which um you're wearing your hoodie right now i'm wearing my hoodie yeah it's my favorite hoodie coach yeah um there's a few things i want to do to kind of improve that and maybe expand that to more people um and one of my big so I, I've got some trainings that I'm doing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy called Paul Check who I really admire, who's like a kind of leader in the field of holistic health. And um, I'm going to be doing one of his holistic lifestyle coaching um, courses this year to just kind of learn more and be able to offer um, a wider array of knowledge and mm-hmm. services. Um, like I told you, I'm going to a Wim Hof um Iceman. Iceman workshop in a couple of weeks to again just kind of I think the more I can experience the more I can kind of Absolutely. And I am planning whether I want it to happen this year, maybe in the end of summer or fall, of um organizing a retreat. Cool. For men, like a men's retreat. Wow. I think that's great. Uh, there's a lot of women retreats Mm -hmm. and i think a a men retreat would be great especially with like the right intention i think so yeah and and i i came to that through like looking for something particularly for myself because i feel like i train a lot of like i work with you and i work with a lot of guys our age Mm -hmm. and i feel like there's a need for it and i feel like people want that time to you know look inside look inside and feel empowered and i think you know maybe with social media in the society there's a lot of um you know talk of self-improvement and not in a trite way but like everyone wants to feel like there's more and that you can do more and be more Mm -hmm. and in a way that's realistic and relatable and with people who are like-minded and that is fun and that maybe doesn't seem while it would be spiritual and that doesn't seem too like ethereal and you know granola yeah exactly you know like i've not got a name for it yet well i kind of do have a name for it but like the idea of like being like a kind of peaceful warrior like you can be the guy from 300 mm-hmm. and you can be you can still cry about ex- something that hurts you exactly 100 mm-hmm. yeah that's great 
so that's kind of maybe we'll maybe we'll do like the uh, a really special second episode while we're on retreat i'd love it cool i would love it uh where can people follow you people can follow me um my phone number is 248 (laughs) (laughs) um uh, I have an Instagram account which I am trying to use more and just share. It's at Ollie Beardsall, O L I B E A R D S A L L. I don't really use my Facebook for work. It's more like my personal Facebook. So mm-hmm. ins- Instagram is the main place. Mm-hmm. Um, and if people DM you on Instagram, you'll you'll answer. Slide on in, mm-hmm. and I will. Yeah, I will get back to you. Um, Amazing. And yeah, we have this this workout group in Detroit on the weekends, and you know we are looking for you know new devotees for the cult <laughs> cycle them in um so you know that's something also people can kind of get involved with if they're interested of of doing something like that um but yeah that would be it great well i'm sure there will be lots of visitors to detroit happy to come and train with you ali i hope so, so. it's been great sitting down with you i look forward to doing it again yeah this was a great conversation man. i really enjoyed it Thank thanks you. man Thanks again for tuning in, and thanks again to our sponsors at Great Licks Coffee Roasting Company for keeping us super caffeinated in the studio here. And just a reminder to listeners and coffee lovers, you can use code WELLBEING at greatlickscoffee.com for 10% off your first order of coffee, coffee supplies, and much more.